Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. Well, good afternoon. I It's silly for me to say good afternoon. We've been talking for an hour, but... It is still okay. afternoon. It's still afternoon, and for those of you joining us today, um, just because we've been talking for an hour doesn't mean they've been sick sit, sitting around listening to us for an hour, so... Um, for those of you who are here, if this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're just two people who love Jesus and like to talk about him and talk about faith and life and how to walk the faith thing out and what that looks like. And we pick things to talk about. And right now we're in the middle of a series on the book of Nehemiah. But specifically, we're looking through the book of Nehemiah from the perspective of leadership and leadership development, and we're walking through a book called Becoming Nehemiah, Leading with Significance by David McKenna. And uh, we're kind of getting close to the end. We're talking now about uh, Nehemiah's journey. So he has rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. He's re-kind of reconstituted the political system, you know, all of the things that are required in rebuilding a city, rebuilding a community, Mm -hmm. and how that all looks. And then he uh, picks a successor, someone to take over for him in Jerusalem, kind of acting as the mayor or the governor of Jerusalem. And then he took off back to Persia. And so what ends up happening, and this can happen in our own leadership walk, uh, when you think about if you had to take a leave of absence or you go on sabbatical, or maybe you're moving on to a different position or place where you've got to leave someone else in charge after you've done all the work to set something up and then you get to leave it to someone else's care. And we find out that Nehemiah probably maybe didn't pick the best choice for that job. Yeah. So, you know, we come from Salvation Army context, if you've been listening for a while, and this is actually something that happens quite a lot for us. We get told we, and we, where to go, when to go, what are we going to and who is coming in? So we don't, in a way, don't choose our successors, um, but we do have to, you know, pass the baton, you know, if you will. And, I mean, to be fair for Nehemiah, um, I, I still can't. Eliashib? Eliashib. So my yeah. son's name is Elias, and so I just keep seeing it as Elias Hib, but <laughs> Eliashib. Elias. Eliashib, right, he's... Uh, already a priest he um was already trusted with the storehouses you know did all right there um but you know what they say absolute power corrupts absolutely mm-hmm. so so nehemiah yeah goes back he says you know pretty much my job has been completed i'm gonna go back to what i was doing or at least go back to persia and yeah, it uh, ends up in corruption. He hears about the priests being neglected. We hear about um, the temple becoming corrupted. Um, what is it? Tobiah, who is his? Who is Tobiah? The Ammonite. Remember the yeah, one of the three guys. The one of the guys that was trying to kill. Yeah, anyway, yeah, and then he becomes a uh, son-in-law to Sambalot, and that he's like moved into the temple and like is doing all kind of corruption stuff. And so Nehemiah has this um, 
you know, a little bit of uh, wrestling. Saying, look, I gave everything at my own, you know, it cost, it did cost him stuff, you know, the years of his life is, you know, his own reputation in some spots, his own labor. And he's like, I gave everything. And then this dude moves in and like, we don't know what time frame, but I'm imagining a year, maybe less. That. Yeah. Who knows? We're not exactly sure how long. How long a span of time it was. And he's and so he's kind of like, God, what the heck? <laughs> That's my paraphrase. Right. <laughs> well, and it, it's one of those things that it's hard to come to terms with. Especially in Nehemiah's case. He puts someone in charge he thinks is going to be a good fit. Someone who thinks is is the right man for the job. And it turns out that he isn't. He's corrupt. Uh, like you said, he did. He allowed uh, Tobiah to have a, a room inside the temple as an Ammonite, which know that you shouldn't do that. Portions assigned to the Levites had been not given to them. You have all this um, Sabbath days being dishonored marriages being decided just all sorts of craziness happening under Eliashib's uh leadership and so you got to wonder okay why is this is it because nehemiah didn't see in Eliashib the possibility for corruption is it that Eliashib uh let this power get go to his head is it that Nehemiah wasn't following the will of the Lord. He just was doing what he thought was best. And he didn't actually inquire of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Is Who knows what the re reasoning is. But I think what, what can happen with this is there's a couple different ways you can take it. So in Nehemiah's case, he actually can go to the king and he say, hey, says, hey, can I go back to Jerusalem and try to fix some of this stuff? Now, yeah. he gets back to Jerusalem, and he doesn't necessarily fix it well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he laments a lot about it, and he talks about God. So, for example, uh, remember me for this, oh my God, do not blot out what I have done so faithfully for the house of my God and its services. Remember me for this, oh my God, and show mercy according to your great love. So he's very passionate to God about what he's done. But at the same time, I think he he maybe fails to to say, let's clean house, let's find other leaders. But, you know, it's one of those things, it's hard to make complete judgment calls on, uh, one, history, two, people, uh, three, you just you don't know what's going on in people's minds. But you would hope that once you saw that it wasn't the right fit that you just say, okay, Eliashib, this is no longer your, your responsibility, you know, but I think that goes along with, you know, what we talked about on page uh, 89 of David McKenna's book. If you have uh, want to go buy that book, you'll know where we're referencing. But one of the things that David McKenna talks about says that in the case of Eliashib's appointment, Nehemiah violates a cardinal rule for executive leaders. 
This is what he says. Never promote your problems. Lot of for those in the back. <laughs> Never <laughs> promote your problems. Right? He so it says there's no doubt that Nehemiah makes a bad decision that comes back to haunt him. When his sabbatical is over and he must return to Babylon uh, or Persia, he puts Eliashib, a known friend of Tobias, in charge of the storeroom. We do not know the reasoning behind Nehemiah's decision, but we can guess from experience. And this is where he messes up. He promotes this Eliashib. Uh, so it's one of those things, you know, when you think about leadership, especially, uh, you know, in the case of, as you think about people under you, if you do have some some authority, take stock of, of what you're doing and who you're putting in what positions. Because mm -hmm. sometimes the, the difficult conversation that you put off today in hopes that you can talk about it at a later date. Guess what, friends? That ain't, that doesn't that's not how life works. Yeah. Also, if you think, oh, well, if I just give this person more responsibility, they'll become a better employee. That's not usually how that works either. In fact, I was trying because to think it, back to any time that's actually worked. Isn't there a verse about being trusted with little so you can be trusted with much? Isn't that there a thing? Is yes. Somewhere in there. Jesus talks about that a little bit in his parables. Um, and I think we do disservice in any organization, ministry, uh, business that you're that you're a part of. If you decide to not have the 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 conversation or the conflict in that moment, mm -hmm. you are going to have to have it at some juncture yeah it just will be bigger and worse yeah <laughs> no you know when think about when you're guiding children and i've never raised kids so amanda you're gonna have to like correct me if i'm wrong but it seems to me that it is much easier to teach lessons to children when they're younger that if they learn certain lessons about living life younger then as they get older you can build on top of that instead of starting fresh does that make sense we actually just had this uh we were just at a water park this weekend and my youngest son decided um that he was fully independent and um was just determined that he knew how to swim oh um now he does not know how to swim and every time he's ever been in the water he's had one of those floaties yeah so like the chest thing and the little arm thing that will keep him elevated above water so he doesn't die well in his mind uh he just decided that he then knew how to swim and knew how to swim so well that he did not need such a baby device because he had outgrown it right mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> and so for a little bit um I let him try in the small wading pool area, you know, because I'm like, you know, he's not going to wear that thing forever, obviously. If I saw a 22-year-old wearing that, I would probably be very concerned for them, you know. But for now, five-year-old, it's appropriate. Um, but he quickly learned, oh, I am in over my head, right? But if I had just allowed him to just jump straight into the deep end or into the lazy river, for example... Mm -hmm. Um, it wouldn't bode well for him. 
Right. But he was adamant that he knew what he was doing and quite forceful with me a little bit. So I just let him have a small area, right, to say, all right, here's your, because I'm smarter than you and guiding you, right, here's your window. Oh, are you drowning? Oh, who could have thought? Okay, let me rescue you now. Right. No, I didn't actually let him start to drown, but, you know. Right. His head might have went under once or twice, but until he realized I was right. <laughs> but those lessons are better than if we were, say, on uh, an actual, like, beach or if whatever, we were in the deep side of the pool. It's better to him or him to learn those types of things now or same thing when we discovered that the stove was hot or mm -hmm. why we don't run into streets or mm -hmm. whatever right you yep. do little things before they become big things right <laughs> and also hopefully he's learning that oh my mom does know i mean hopefully things. he should you know, a lot of times kids don't realize that until they're smart get out of the house and in college right Oh yeah, mom did know some stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. But actually but say, yeah. Like the something happens in a preteen and teenager's head chemically that will actually makes their parents seem dumber. Really? Yeah, it's like a it's a type of cognitive impair like that they just don't heed sound advice biologically. It has a much fancier name that I'm giving. You can Google it. But they say the part of that reason is so that kids get so fed up under their parents or that they leave the nest and go start their own thing. Oh. And it's actually only when they're like on their own that they realize like, oh, all of that advice was really good advice. But so parents, if you have a rebellious teen, it's biology. <laughs> there you go. Just there try you to, go. you know, be the floaties around them. and. <laughs> but at the same time, we the need boundaries. people need to learn lessons. Um, but if, again, in, in the context of leadership, the reason I brought up the kids thing is just, if we don't deal with, as a leader, if we don't deal with folks in the little things and the little disagreements and the little conflicts and the little disobedience and the little, whatever it is, fill in the blank, those become much bigger, harder, more difficult challenges. And sometimes then it's just, oh, it's just so big. We just have to leave it alone. So I think I just told you, I just read uh, Brene Brown's Dare to Lead book. Yeah. Which is a really great uh, book, I think. But she had a quote in it that said, um, failure to deal with ineptitude or inadequacy. No, in ineptitude and um, what is it when someone's coming against you? Conflict or? Sure. Yeah. Let's go that. Like, no, like someone who insurgency. Oh, insert okay. Insurgency. Yeah. Ineptitude and insurgency is both lazy and stupid. Fair. <laughs> and I liked it. Like as a leader, failure to deal with someone who is inept or someone who is coming against you like an insurgent. Failure to deal with that quickly and efficiently is both lazy and stupid as a leader. Yeah. <laughs> that those that's aggressive, but I think I think correct. <laughs> right? Because ultimately, the whole point of this book is, in my opinion, I mean, uh, David McKenna is a, a pastor, uh, done a lot of things, Asbury Theological Seminary, written quite a few books. I mean, there's a lot of context of church. Mm -hmm. If if we ran our churches where, and I've seen this happen, 
where you don't deal with ineptitude or you don't deal with uh, people who are who are making bad, wrong, immoral, unjust, stupid, fill in the blank, decisions. And you just, oh, well, we don't want to hurt their feelings or we don't want to incur their wrath or we don't want to what fill in the blank, whatever your excuse is. Now, hi, I can preach this in a microphone on a podcast and be like, this is how you should do it. When friends, I struggle with this, right? I struggle oh, with like wanting to, what? Most people don't like conflict. Right. And people who do like conflict, you don't really want to be around. <laughs> Not generally. Sadist or something, but. But, but definitely Nehemiah needed to have dealt with Eliashib. And whether that was, you know, it can be an honest mistake if you promote somebody uh, under your leadership, um, maybe to, to actually take over for you in its for a span of time, and you might have picked the wrong one. You know what? Hey, this wasn't this wasn't a good fit. Then then you need to just own up to it and deal with it. But yeah, I, I love that that idea though. Like, more responsibility isn't going to make them automatically better and the same thing goes for us right so we follow people too right and yep. me and you in our context so yep. what are some guardrails we can put to be a person who enters into that well mm -hmm. and not you know there's a, a, a thought we've talked about in this book before about getting promoted to incompetency mm -hmm. where you go so high up that you don't actually have the foundational skills to like do a good job so essentially right. become just a boss in name only that might be what your business card said but you're actually not leading anyone because you don't know what you're doing and people aren't stupid and know that yes <laughs> um so you know what do you think what are some guardrails to make sure that we don't become an Eliashib? well i think one is just our own personal integrity right well don't be corrupt that's that's helpful that's the bumper sticker don't be corrupt yes uh but i i think also being honest about who you are and where you where you stand with things i mean uh be careful to who your friends are for eliashib he was friends with this tobiah guy and we have we had seen throughout the book of nehemiah that this guy was again and again listed in these guys who were trying to kill nehemiah mm -hmm. and so probably don't befriend <laughs> the guy who's trying to kill your leader I probably don't do that. No. Um, and and who knows what the there's lots of reasons. You know, I think of this in the context of personal relationships always get murky when you have a lot of acquaintances amongst a very diverse group of people, right? Mm -hmm. And there are people that you know from a perspective of friendship. There's a people that you know from the perspective of your professional life, from your religious life, maybe from your family life. And you've got to be careful about boundaries between them. And I have a feeling that Eliashib felt that he owed something this to this to Tobias or Tobiah character. Mm -hmm. That's why he gave him access to this storeroom. That's why he let him live there. But yeah. I think a guardrail is be careful who you're beholden to. Right. Like, do do you owe people things that are good things to owe? Like, I get, hey, you you help me out in this situation. You know, 
I owe you one. Well, in the context of Christianity, in the context of uh, following Jesus, that's actually not how Jesus does things, right? He talks, Jesus talks about, hey, if you're going to throw a banquet, don't invite the people who can, who can reciprocate, invite the people who can't reciprocate, right? So be careful who you become beholden to. Because again, yeah. I have a feeling that Elisha did not necessarily in, try to become in this weird relationship, but maybe felt obligated to because of something that we don't know about. For sure. Yeah. And also, I think I see here at the end of this Nehemiah is like he just was getting tired because you remember he cleared out all the corruption before. Mm -hmm. And this is 12 years later or so. We don't even know how old he was when he went and started. Right. Maybe we do, but I don't think we do. I don't remember an but, age on Nehemiah, but. But like you were saying, you know, in his prayers, he's saying, you know, look at, don't undo all the things I've done. Don't undo all the things, you know, I don't want to do this again. And I think he, for a moment, because he's human, right? These, these stories that we read aren't fables, the real guy, real history, real human flaws. I think he started to kind of just get tired of it and started to then slip into negative thinking and kind of feeling the burden of it on his own shoulders and kind of, I mean, this is what I'm reading into it, uh, you know, placing too much of the weight on his own shoulders. And then when um, Eliashib failed, kind of not necessarily taking it to God right away and trying to just deal with it, which made it worse, you know, and I think that's the thing that this was God's plan all along, right? Mm -hmm. We also kind of crazy all throughout this whole book. We have seen Nehemiah go before the Lord for little stuff. Yeah. Except for his successor. Right. Isn't that wild? Mm -hmm. And I mean, not like little stuff, but I mean, kind of. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> certainly in a moment. Know. Prayers for the for that immediate need. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But when it comes to a successor, he's he didn't, not praying for it him. Doesn't, it doesn't record that he did that. Right. I mean, he might have, but he also might not have. Right. I think, yeah, I, I agree. I think fatigue, I think tiredness, I think we, that can happen to any of us if we, oh yeah, you know, compassion fatigue is a real thing, right? Um, being tired after a, a long, hard fought season in your life, um, being tired after, you know, s going through a transition spirit span of time, maybe, or, you know, your leadership change above you or below you. Uh, all of those things can lead to where you just, just tired. I always, I, you know, I talk a lot uh, to my congregation about how, you know, we have trigger points where we have to be patient with one another and those things uh, it's the halt formula, right? If you're hungry, angry, oh, what's the L? Lonely. Lonely and T is tired. So H-A-L-T, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are triggers for everybody. Mm -hmm. And when you're one of those four things or a combination thereof, you don't make the best decisions that you couldn't make under other circumstances, right? And especially we think of that in like the context of an immediate thing, like I'm hungry right this second. But if that's, that could be an ongoing issue, 
right? That it's, you know, months and months of being tired, months and months of being lonely, months and months of being angry or frustrated or fed up with the situation around you that can lead to a series of decisions that are not healthy. And so safeguards to that include things like getting out in fresh air and going for a walk for me, mm-hmm. um, especially when the sun is shining. Uh, the vitamin D from that sun is super helpful. But also it's being able to meet with friends or a counselor or someone who can, kind of, if you will, talk you down from the thoughts rattling around in your head, you know? Uh, things that you know, people who can encourage you, whether it's a text message or a phone call or an email once in a while that say, hey, just to check in, how you doing? Yeah. Because yeah. I think as especially as leaders, we often take up far too heavy a mantle that, than we need to. We think, oh, it all rests on my shoulders. It's all, I got to do it all. And we don't. First of all, first of all, we have God, the Holy Spirit with us, in us, working mm-hmm. through us. Uh, give it to him. Let him bear the load, right? Jesus says, place my yoke upon you for my burden is light, right? Uh, it's not your job. Like we might have a lot of responsibilities in our jobs, in our employment, but ultimately if we're living for the Lord, if we're following Jesus, then we bear up under his yoke. For sure. Oh yeah. And I think that's where Christian community comes in, right? We're not meant to be islands onto ourselves, right? right? Um, When I fall, you help me and vice versa. And we help the other people in our areas and, um, you know, just like how in my, I heard, I, I heard of a, a great uh, couple that was celebrating 68 years of marriage, right? And uh, yeah. they said, what's your secret? And they said, well, we never wanted to divorce on the same day. Yeah. I've heard <laughs> right? that. Yep. Right. And so um, I think Christian community is that way. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we do it? Well, our faith ne- never wavered on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need... We need one another in that witness um, so that, and and to help us from making wise choices. And I think, I don't know if it's the West or an American thing or American church things, but man, like we've lost our backbone when talking to our friends, it seems. Yeah. And I'm, I say that, I mean, I want to say face too. I don't like, I'm not always known for my tact, so try to be careful with it um but you know i am not always as quick to point out sin or destruction than i think i should be even in my own leadership Mm -hmm. you know it's something i you know maybe 2024 will be a growth point in that for me but there you go you know um but i think we need one another to say hey that might not be the best idea or hey have you prayed about that idea Mm mm-hmm or, you know, you know what I'm even and yeah. realize it's it's all it's all God's, right? Yeah. So if it's all God's idea, we should be unoffendable by it. Definitely. <laughs> In addition to if it's all God's, then we don't have to worry about who gets the credit. Yep. And really we should filter all of our decision making through the filter of, is this going to bring God glory? Yeah. Or is this going to bring me glory? 
for sure. I think also we need to be better about looking in the mirror mm. as opposed to looking out the window. Uh, David kind of quotes from Jim Collins book, uh, good to great, which is a fabulous book about leadership and, and business, but it, it it's definitely applicable. If you haven't read it, um, there's a lot of really good nuggets in there, but one of them is a good leader will, when something goes wrong, look in the mirror, not the window, meaning they'll look to place the blame on themselves first. Like, is this my fault? Could I have done something? Now you can get, you got to be careful with narcissism there, but are you always looking to blame someone else? Yeah. Well, it's not my fault that they're fill in the blank, right? Uh, I think those of us who follow Jesus long uh, as a long thing, right? That we didn't just start it yesterday, realize that at least in my life, I would be hard pressed to say at least 90% of my problems, probably more like 99% of my problems <laughs> are because of my own decisions, thoughts, sure. actions, right? Uh, it's not because other people did something is ultimately no matter what people do, we still have to own our decisions, mm -hmm. right? No matter what happens, you know, if you think about the Salvation Army and, and the fact that we do get moved and we do have successors and predecessors and people that you follow and people that you, you, you leave this place behind for at the end of the day, you're accountable for what you can be accountable for. That's right. But you can't, but you can't be blaming. I, you know, and and you also shouldn't be taking credit all the time either, right? That's right. Yeah, because it's. I had a I had a boss who taught me, and I'm sure it's from some book too. I'm sure that if somebody could quote the book, it's from. But like when you when it's a blame, then you take it, take responsibility. When it's accolades, then you spread it around, right? Because mm. ultimately, it's it's. In a situation of a business or a school or a church or a fill in the blank that you're a part of a team, yeah, it's never going to be 100% your fault, but it's also never going to be 100% your fault when it goes right either, right? <laughs> right. So, so, you know, figure out what you can do. And again, friends, you know, I, I think about this when you have the medium of a podcast and Amanda and I are having this conversation and we're happy. We happen to be recording it. So you happen to be able to listen to it. If you want, understand that I am thinking right now of a mirror, right, right there on my computer screen. Cause I can, I can look at myself as I'm, cause we do this on zoom so we can see each other. I know that a lot of the things that I say, I've got to take them to heart probably more so than I care if you take it to heart. Yeah. Even you, Amanda, take it to heart, let alone the people who might listen down the road. Because we we do tend to blame and we tend to say, well, if only this person hadn't done this thing or if, if only they were smarter and if only I didn't walk into this big mess, things would, no. The situation is the situation. Deep breath, right? Nehemiah comes back from Persia and Eliashib's done some things that he shouldn't have done. Okay, past is the past. Now, what do we do? What do we do with this information? How do we move forward from here? Mm -hmm. And I think too much we get caught up. Even, 
myself included, I'm the first 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 one on this list of well, it should never have been like this. I don't how how did it get like this? Well, it doesn't matter how it got like this. It is like this. So now what? Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to dig into maybe the underlying stuff so that maybe we can prevent it in the future. But at the end of the day, we still got to move forward from where we're at. Yeah. You know? And I think being able to have personal integrity and holiness and a willingness to see, see yourself for who you are. Like I know that there are certain skill sets that I have and certain other things that I stink at. And so I need to make sure that I have a team of people who can accommodate, who can, who can help me in my areas of weakness. Mm-hmm. Cause if I don't, I'm not going to be able to do it. You know, Nehemiah, could have been to the point where he like we talked about worked himself into a level of incompetence where just like okay this is above my pay grade this is above what i understand and know this is above my skill set and sometimes you can train against that but sometimes you just some people just don't have the capacity and that's okay yeah yeah but I then think be honest about it hey i don't have the capacity for this and don't worry about not saving it. no one's meant to do everything Right. Which is why we have community. Right. (laughs) Yep. And there are days when it would be nice if we could train up our successors in our context. um, Yeah. Where we could, you know, but at the same time, it's just in in the system in which we operate. I just don't think that's a logistical thing. And, you know, I, having left six months ago on appointment, really had to do some, some soul searching and think, did we leave it the best way that we could with the tools that we have. And I, we had to say, yeah, we did. Yep. Does it mean I wouldn't do th- some things differently? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I'm gr- I've grown where we know more. Yeah. Um, so we did make some mistakes, but I have no shame. Right. Right. And, and realizing it's in God's hands and whoever comes in and does whatever I might mourn with them or, um, you know, be excited for them. Um, but ultimately it's, it's in God's hands. Right. You know, And where I'm at now, I hope the same, right. Mm-hmm. I won't have any regrets and, and what I did. And if I do make a mistake, I think one of the ways to avoid regrets is when I do make a mistake, which I do a lot is to deal with it quickly and efficiently. Right. <laughs> yep. We're going to make mistakes. Yeah. So what, what happens when? And I think I, I agree wholeheartedly. I had a situation at Christmas time where I made a mistake with a with a client at Christmas time. I did not have information that I thought I did possess, but I did in fact did not have that information, and I messed up. I made a I made a bad decision, and I actually wasn't very nice uh, to this in, individual. And w- immediately upon finding out that I, like with new information, that I had been actually the bad guy. I immediately went to that person and said, Hey, come back. I'm so sorry. My bad. I, I'm the bad guy here. I did not have all the information. I apologize. I was very confident that I did, but I didn't did in fact not have all the information. And so please accept my apology. Uh, I'm very sorry for, for, um, for what my actions, for my words. And 
thankfully she graciously accepted my apology but it was immediate which made it so much better it was hard like my heart was thumping and my gut (laughs) dropped because right that i don't want to be wrong in fact i really really dislike being wrong it's one of the worst things in the world for me to be wrong to not have all the because i thought i had all the information and i was adamant that this is in fact the way it is but i didn't yeah And you know what? Because I dealt with it then and there and didn't let it linger or like that. Or even like, oh, well, or, well, they should know I might not have known or whatever. Right. Those things. Right. That would have eaten me up for a long time had I not. Mm. Um, And it, it took, it took overcoming my initial fear of, oh, I just have to tell this person that I was wrong. I have to. I have to eat my words. Mm. Um, and guys, I'm not saying that story to say that I've got this figured out because there are for that one story that just happened because I've matured a little mm. bit in the last little bit, but there's probably 10 stories of when I did mess up and didn't own it. And there are some days that I still think about those times where I messed up and didn't own it and still haven't owned it to the people I messed up with. Uh, in the relationship or whatever that you know three o'clock in the morning when you're up in the middle of the night that Mm. keep you up right yeah oh yeah learn from my mistakes friends (laughs) learn from the past mistakes that you've made it is so much better and easier and easier in the long run to handle it right away it does it suck yeah but own it Cause it's going to suck way worse if you make it bigger, especially <laughs> by hiding it or by ignoring it or by fill in the blank of all the things that you could do, except own it. Just suck it up. Admit you're wrong. Admit you messed up. Ask for forgiveness. Take steps to rectify whatever it is that you need to do. Cause otherwise, man, Stomach ulcers are a thing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really well said. You know, just to recap, uh, you know, just like Nehemiah, we make mistakes. Um, pay attention to who is around you. Pay attention to who's coming up. Know that you're always temporary and someone's always coming up behind you. So be developing those people now. To Be developing that space now. Um, and when you make a mistake, own it quickly and swiftly realizing it's not about you anyway um yeah those are your final thoughts for today yep that's what i got awesome love it (laughs) hi friends i think next week what do you think amanda will kind of finish off this nehemiah just kind of last minute conversations yeah um supposed to be in there yep and then i think i think we should uh maybe try and have some uh some volunteers some uh some guests back on again but yep uh, we'll we'll cross those bridges when we get to them friends as always if you have something to uh suggest or comments or queries or whatever please please feel free to reach out um if you do comment on the uh we we have a facebook page now misfit messengers podcast uh facebook page in addition though if you make a comment about the uh, podcast on one of the podcast apps we do see those those are helpful to us uh, so feel free to do that as you as you feel led. But at any rate, God blesses us. Why, Amanda? So we can be a blessing to others. <laughs> <laughs>
Alrighty, well, we'll catch you guys next time.